This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. That was good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, starting in verse 35. But some may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but, the on, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in, he, uh, bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and the stars each ha have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection from the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but we will be raised to life forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They, they are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last man, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not die, but we will all be transformed. Awesome. Thank you. Come on, give God a shout. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, with my dear bride, Robin, who greeted you a minute ago, welcome. Uh, we're both so glad you're here. All of our leaders and people who serve, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're working for something very intentional, and it's not just to, to do a church service. It's to create a place for you to gather with your faith uh, and, and several things, that your, your faith can be encouraged and that you can encourage others in their faith, which we just did. And then the third one uh, is that you grow up. Uh, the goal of gathering is to be strengthened in your faith, strengthen other people's faith, and grow up. And sometimes growing up is the hardest because it forces the 
how would I say it, the, the layers of onion that get peeled off your life uh, consistently. So that's what we try to do here. Uh, we're in a series uh, that I've titled Every Heart. You see the picture with a guy with his hand over his head because even though uh, many times we all believe in God and have faith in God, life can throw us a gut punch. Can you say amen to the gut punch? <laughs> I don't know if you've been gut punched, but uh, I don't know if you've ever even questioned where's God. My opinion is most Christians who believe in God somewhere in their faith will question where is he at. I think Jesus himself questioned it. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's very, it, was, it was hard for me as a young man to, to understand how Jesus could feel like the Father forsook him. Uh, you know, until I got older and I went through some battles and I found myself wondering, where's the God of heaven that I say I serve because I sure don't feel like he's here. I don't feel like he's answering my prayers I don't feel like he's helping me out. And I've joked before, but it was a prayer of mine several times in my life. This is what I would pray. God, if I was you and you was me and I was praying what I was praying to you, I would answer your prayer. <laughs> kind of like I'm helping God be God, right? That ought to tell you how arrogantly prideful I was that I thought I could help God. And now what I know at age 56 is God needs no help at all. What he needs me to do is trust him. And sometimes, if not often in life, that's hard. Because we're, as you heard Ryan read, we're natural people in a natural body. And there's that spiritual person out there that one day, that someday he read. Uh, I used to hear a friend of mine's dad said this. He said, oh, one day in the sweet by and by. And then he would stop there because everybody would go, Amen. And then he'd go, but right now, we live in the nasty now and now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, that's good. In the sweet by and by, but it's the nasty now and now, you know. And uh, so there was always this uh, battle between what my faith said I knew to be true and what I've been walking out in my life as real to me. And I've tried to be fair to you to give that to you the best I've worked it out and where I'm at. So here's where we've landed in this series. Here's the first kind of where we've gotten so far. To follow Christ, walk with him and live for him demands that every heart, that's everybody in the room, doesn't matter where you've grown up or denomination, know Jesus or not, once you come to Christ, here is what we've learned. You have to risk your pride, meaning he's God, you're not. You have to risk your emotions, meaning you're probably going to cry a lot, sweat a lot, pray a lot. You have to risk effort, meaning you're not going to get where God wants you, lazy, laying in bed, hoping he feels sorry for you. You've got to put some feet to your faith. And then the last two weeks, we've, you've got to come to a place to live beyond logical ability. That God just wants to do stuff that you may never figure out. And I made a joke last week that... I think if we could figure him out and put him in a box, he might not even be God. Because if a human could figure him out perfectly, then maybe he's not even God at all. So being that he is God, there's probably things about his nature that you're just never, no matter how smart you get, no matter how much Hebrew or Greek you know, you're probably never going to be able to peg him. And what I found out in my faith, the moment I think I have him pegged, he shows me another aspect of his character. 
And I'm like, oh, man, I thought I had him pegged. And God's like, yeah, bro, I know you're nowhere close, you know. And so you kind of, in those moments, that's where we mature. It's where we grow up. We, we learn a little more about his fatherhood. So I want to do something today that I, I hope will uh, inspire you for the week. I hope it will be something as my dad told me. I hope that what I share, my goal is this today. My goal is to share something with you that 30 years from now you'll look back and go, I remember on this day this was said and I applied it to my life. And hopefully it will, it will transform you. So let's read this. Here's the first verse. This was the very last verse Ryan read, and he did it beautifully. But let me reveal to you, everybody say, a wonderful secret. That kind of challenges me of that there could be things that God has that not everybody always gets it. And so this thought that just because you're saved, everything on this planet works out. I think we're all smart enough to know that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean everything on this planet works out. What we will tell you is one day it will work out. Someday it will work out in the sweet by and by. But it might not work out right here. Because what I've learned in my walk with God is, and this is strange, there are wonderful secrets that he holds to his, to his nature that usually are only revealed as you seek him out. As you press into him. And by press into him, I mean life is really pressuring you. But rather than, you know, anger fit to God, ticked at him, you, you press more in to know him more. And in that, I want to know God more because I just went through something with Robin last year with the diagnosis of cancer. It, I had two options. Where's God? Why did this happen to me? I thought you were a healer. I could go that route. And my mind tried to go that way. But I had to turn back to my faith rather than my feeling because what Ryan read is there's the natural human mark and then there's the spiritual mark that is becoming more like Christ. And in that moment of, I've been diagnosed with cancer, natural mark is freaking out. Where's God? Why did God? Why didn't he? I thought he was. And spiritual Mark had to just say, shut up, natural Mark. Because there is a secret that if you'll press into God during this hard time, you will know another facet of his fatherhood that you didn't know before. And, and I wish I could say that you could learn every facet of his fatherhood without having to go through a pressured moment. And I'm not saying God sends you through the pressured moment, but I hope we're all kind of wise enough to know life just does it to you. Your job, your, your, your situation, your marriage isn't on the brink right now. Well, in that pressured moment, right, see if I can pull this the way I see it in my mind. In that pressured moment where reality seems to be gut-punching me, as I said, if I'm... If I'm a, tuned into the spiritual side of my being, I'm going to seek out the wonderful secret. And I'm going to realize that the green, I, I highlight everything in colors for me, not for you. <laughs> so if you're wondering, why is everything so colored? Tell yourself this, because he's ADD. He doesn't take medicine. He uses no notes, and he's got some kind of trick up there. So... <laughs> 
Green means go for it. Blue means chill out, Mark. You're getting way too excited. <laughs> right? You're all like, okay, cool. I see that now. So there's this wonderful secret, and that here's the thought we will not all die. There's the nasty now and now. Some of us will die. Not all of us, but some of us. But in that death, that green zone, that earthly man, that earthly woman, that you have emotions and feelings and you have brokenness and weaknesses. He says, there is the reality of that, but on the other side of the comma, there is, there is the certainty for all of us in the room. Everybody in the room, regardless of weakness and brokenness or death or life, all of us will be transformed. We're going to be transformed to inherit the kingdom, a natural for a spiritual. And so as I was going through this verse, because this is the verse that stuck out to me, the phrase wonderful secret just kept going over and over. And I started asking myself, well, what is the secret then? There's something about this verse that tells me that this we will not all die, but we will all be transformed is a secret. Not everybody gets it. Not everybody understands it. The sad part of this verse, it's usually only read at funerals. You go to a funeral, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and talk about dying. And so this verse pops up in the middle of a sorrowful time. Uncle so-and-so just died, but hey, wonderful secret here, he'll be transformed one day. He'll come up from the dead. And then we read Psalm 23. And so it shows up in a funeral. Now here's the weird thing about the secret. Maybe the reason Christians always read this at, at funerals is in some weird way it gives us a feeling of meaning. Because when you're facing death, life seems meaningless. We even, If we're the ones living, we even reflect, Oh God, I hope my life's worth something. You even look around and go, God, not many people showed up. He, must not have been a good uncle as they said he was. And then even when they talk about uncle whoever, everybody really knows the real him even though the preacher's making it up. You're like, dude, I, whew, I was kind of nervous he was going to get into heaven. I guess preacher said he's there, so he must be there. And everybody who knew Uncle Richard is suddenly going, well, dude, if Richard got in, we call it preaching you into heaven. Because we don't want to talk about the reality that Richard wasted his life. Richard lost his family. Richard ruined every moment he had to know anything about the secrets of God. Because Richard, as an earthly person, chased his God-awful self every single day, sacrificed his health, sacrificed his children, sacrificed his marriage, sacrificed everything he could be because Richard never could know the wonderful secrets of God because all Richard could know was earthly Richard and not the spiritual Richard that is to come but because we want to fake it, we're going to tell you Richard was a good man. And most of us walk out knowing he wasn't a good man. And if he was a good man, we try to go, well, there was this time, July of 1982, he was pretty cool. And so in this thinking, maybe God, when the scriptures were written, maybe God knew that there was something about dying that could reveal something about God. 
It would, it would make you think about your life. It would make you think about what's going on, of how brief life can be. How fast it can go by. Even the Bible says things like this. Your, your life is just a breath. It's a puff of wind. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. But yet, I, I would say most, if not many, most, most just never really understand how to live in the earthly body while we're here. We, we just don't know how to do it, but there's a wonderful secret. Here's, here's the thought. There's a wonderful secret that once you know it, and it's connected to understanding something about death, it transforms how you live while you're here. Not just, well, I can't wait to get there and all hell's gone. No. When I know the wonderful secret that God wants me to know through death, and I learn it before I die, then it's going to transform the way Mark lives on planet Earth. I just want to, this is my, my thingy, I want to learn that before I die. I don't want to die and get up there and go, dude, man, dude, I was nowhere close. And listen to somebody preach me in the ground and go, dude, they're lying. I so wasn't that. But then you realize what that was supposed to be because now you're in the full presence of God realizing how short you lived. How sorry of a human you were. You don't feel that here because you got accolades, you got money, you've got retirement, you've got good kids. The grandkids come over and call you Paul Paul. But in reality, to there, you're, you're surely falling way short. That you would walk into heaven and look back at your earthly life and go, oh my God, I live so below everything God wanted for me. And yet you got into heaven. But you look back on your earthly life and go, what in God's name was I doing? And I'll tell you what I think. I think we would say that not because we're rotten, sorry people. Because we all know we need Jesus. I think we would say that because we would look back and realize that the way we lived on earth fell short because when I turn to Daddy God and I see Him in His fullness... I realize my Abba Father, Papa God, Heavenly Father, whatever you call him, dude, he was loaded with secrets. And I never knew him because I didn't press into him. I didn't stop to seek it out because I didn't want to go. Because when I found myself pressured to know a secret, I didn't run to the secret. I ran to my addiction. I didn't run to the secret place to know him, which makes me think, wonder why he called it the secret place. We think because it's in a closet, right? I'm not opposed to that. Go to the secret place. It's the closet over there. I often think maybe the secret place is the place wherever you are, your car, your lawnmower, where God just whispers secrets about himself. Someone's going to tell you something. I promise you're like, oh my God. So what I've learned is there is an aspect of my earthly Christianity where I could live it but never know the secrets of the Father and then thus therefore die having lived short on this earth and fallen short of all He wanted because I wanted to know more about me than I wanted to know about Him. And that is hard because we're all human and we all have pride and things we deal with. Here's the thought. Someone may ask, this is interesting, how will the dead be raised and what kind of bodies are they? So now Paul kind of gives me the insight that death will cause you to ask questions. 
Come on, just watch the news right now. You, you know, see some, some new person is flaunted on the TV that they've been killed or murdered or dead, or you read the Atlanta Constitution. Oh, man, everybody's dying. But I do know one thing about death. It will make you question things. And so they have a question in relationship to death. How will the dead be raised and what kind of body will they get when they die? I love what he said. That's just a stupid question. That's a foolish question you just asked me. And that's why most people never press into God because it just feels foolish. And he says it's a foolish question which tells me this. Watch. When you don't know the secrets of God, you ask dumb questions of God. Where is he? Why did he abandon me? I thought he was supposed to be. And if he is, then why? Those questions that really don't feel so foolish when you're asking them because you're in the heat of the moment, when in relationship to really understanding what life is about, they are very foolish questions. Where is God? He's where he's always been. Why did he abandon me? He didn't. You just feel like he did because he's not ponying up to all your requests right now. Why did God let this happen to me? I thought he... That's because you don't understand the secrets of God. You're trying to understand God and your natural things going on. And so what we get is a lot of doctrine, a lot of theology, a lot of books written. A lot of God will kill you. God will make you sick. He'll give you cancer. He may do this. He may put you in a car wreck. He may, Because in our human minds, we're trying to write it all out to put God in a neat box to help me explain all the questions of life because I want somebody to write a book so I can know God rather than me running to God myself to know God. I want somebody else to tell me why God abandoned me and let my uncle do that to me rather than me pressing into his fatherhood because I don't know if I trust his fatherhood because he did that to me. <laughs> and so these questions seem valid, but Paul says they're kind of futile. Now here's what Paul does for us. To connect the secret that we need to know that he called wonderful, he says this, you're just going to have to understand something about dying. I don't like that. I don't want to have to face death to figure out a secret about God. I don't want to do that, but Paul does it for us. He didn't really ask our opinion when he penned this. Next verse, look at this. And what you put in the ground, so now here's what he does. He's going to teach me about death using the principle of farming. Because we can all understand it. What you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow. Paul's going to teach me there's something about life here that what's going on in the natural, if you understand what's going on, might produce something clearly different later on a different plane, a spiritual plane. He's... he's Teaching us that if a farmer plants an orange, he will get orange trees. That's what he says. You plant only a bare seed or whatever you're planting. So now what I start learning about life in the earthly realm is that sometimes I'm going to feel like that my life is futile and it's not working because all I have is a big bag of bare seeds. I can't eat the apple because I just have the seed of the apple and I'm really going hungry. 
I'm going to die with seeds in my hand because they've not produced an apple yet or corn or whatever it is I would be planting, he says in red, whatever you plant. So Mark has to take these apple seeds because I'm dying of hunger and I put the apples and the corn seeds in the ground and then I wake up the next day and go, my God, where's the corn? Where are my apples, God? I planted the seeds. Where are you when I need you? So in my arrogance of hurt, I take my shovel, I dig them up, bad ground, I put them back in my pocket, and I go some, to, to another church. And I take my seeds, and I put them in the ground, and I stomp them on them. And I back up, and I go, okay, God, there it is. Here's everything I'm believing. Here's everything I want. And a week later, dirt. Oh, God, except this time you're in a Holy Ghost church and they talk about the rain. Oh, let it rain, Lord. So now you're praying, rain, Lord. Rain on my seed, Lord. And the Lord, and you wake up the next day, thank you, God, for the rain. And you go out, it's just mud. My God, it's worse. Now I've got mud on my clothes and mud on my shoes. And what are you doing to me, God? I planted them here, nothing. So I dug them up and went to another church and planted them there and anointed them with oil and spoke life over them. And all you did was bring the rain that caused the mud. Take them somewhere else, by God. You go to your third church, your fourth church. Finally, you're just almost an agnostic. You don't even go to church. You just keep the seeds in your pocket and remind people how God has abused you and abandoned you. While you hold your seeds in your hand, blaming God for the crap you're in. Excuse me. i got to find my blue word. There it is. I was, I was too long on that green word. Oh, I turn around and grab blue, man. Wear it back, Mark. That's my medicine. So let me... Whew. But, I, but I, I realize that that's me. I realize it's a lot of us. We plan it. It doesn't happen in time. We dig it up. We try it again, but now it's worse. It's more money. So then after a while, we just dig it back up. We put it in our pockets. We walk around, and now we just read books about how bitter and mad we are, and we tell people, I don't know if you can trust it. Maybe he's God. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm not atheist, but I'm not agnostic. I mean, I used to be a Christian, but I don't know. But I got a bunch of mud in my pocket. And I don't know why God's not letting things grow and work for me. It's because, not because you're dumb, not because we all have not carried around mud in our pocket. Come on, somebody. Every one of you in the room at one time or another has had your pocket filled with mud. Holding on to where's God when I need him. It's not that we're, God doesn't understand that's us. It's that maybe we just never really understood the secret. I'll tell you the secret. All right, put the seeds in. Okay. All right, God, yeah, I send the rain. Um, no. I just need you to water them. Me? You, you, you expect something out of me? Uh, yes. 
I go over. All right, I did it. God. Uh, yeah. I watered him. Your time, your move. Uh, water it again. Oh, God. All right. I'm faithful. I've been going to the same church for three weeks. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? You're like, three weeks in, man, you feel good. You feel more holy than you've ever felt in your life. You're like, dude, I'm three weeks in a row at the same church. Hey, God, I'm in. Mark, uh, I just need you to water it every day for the next, oh, 10 years. P.S. Pick the weeds. You're getting lazy. And in that farming principle, I understand a wonderful secret. That there are things God wants to do for me that don't happen overnight, but that happen when I just continue to stay in who He is and trust Him when I see nothing. When I have no, no effort, everybody that walks along, man, what's all that mess in the backyard? It looks like a mud pile. You need me to bring some sod? Oh, dude, don't bring sod. You'll kill what's there. What's there? Apples and uh, corn. <laughs> Apples and corn? You wh What? It looks like mud to me. That's because if the world doesn't know the wonderful secret you know, they will trash talk your seeds and make you dig them back up again because they don't know what you know. Why are you going to that church? That seems futile because they see mud. You don't see mud. You have a secret. So you need to know that in this wonderful move of serving God, not everybody's going to see corn and apples. Some people are going to want to put sod and gravel and dirt and pine straw because to them, everything you're doing in your life for God is mud. And Paul goes on. This is what he says. Next verse. It is the same with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised forever. And our bodies are buried in brokenness. They'll be raised in glory, and they're buried in weakness. But they're raised in strength. And now Paul turns a corner because he blows our mind with what the secret is. The secret is not apples and corn. The secret is you. You're the seed. And how you handle your life determines what comes out of your life. Next verse. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. The last Adam, that is Christ, a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural and then the spiritual. 
The wonderful secret is that God begins to tell me that there are things I'm going to have to do on earth that will seem like it's death. There are things that I'm going to be required to do that seem like they don't work. There's things that I'm, God's going to ask of me that don't feel like that they fit with where I'm at in life. But there is a someday. There is a earthly people who were earthly. Everybody in here is earthly, but then there's this heavenly moment that is moving to something, and then it has this, I, I put it in red so you could catch it, that there is a someday. That is the secret. The secret is that your life, the secret is, is that your life is the seed. The secret, the wonderful secret is that there is a someday. It's not always today. It's not always tomorrow. It's not always next month. Sometimes the someday is 10 to 12 years down the road. When you suddenly go, oh my God, he is real. He is there. He did bring me through. He did restore me. He did put back a passion in me. He did take the hurt that my uncle did to me. And he redeemed and restored me. And now the hurt that was so trying to kill me is now the scar that I can tell other people that I have been healed by God. Even though I was molested, I have a story because God, I stayed in the ground with God long enough that my hurt became a beautiful rose of an example of His grace. Why? Because I stayed in the secret place long enough to become what I needed to be. But when you've been molested and hurt and abandoned and divorced and abused and done wrong, you dig yourself up and you just walk around with oozing sores all your life of bitterness and hurt and resentment. And, and, and all you do is just put Band-Aids on them. And everybody you see, you rip the Band-Aid off and let me tell you the story of this hole. And you never heal. You never realize that where Paul was taking you is that you were the seed. You're the one that has to die. You're the one that has to go into the ground. You're the one that has to lay there until God does something. We have to put a natural body in the ground in hopes that God will do something and resurrect him. But the secret is, my life is a seed. And i got to put myself into God. And then i just got to die to me until God does something. I don't have to do it. I don't have to fix me. I just have to trust him until he can fix me. And then this is the thought. I think it gets interesting. You may want to screenshot the next two because it's brilliant. Because <laughs> notice there ain't no blue on this screen. I'm not slowing down now. Here's the thought. The seed becomes fruit. The natural becomes spiritual. And the earthly becomes the heavenly. I have no problem getting all excited at a worship night or a conference to talk about fruit, spiritual, and heavenly, but the reality is Monday, the seed, the natural, and the earthly comes home. Dude, it's hard to live the left side because I'm hurt. I'm, I'm tired. I'm burned out. I feel disappointed. God, God let me down. So here's the truth behind it. Your life is a seed. Now, think this through for a minute. Your life is a seed. Your thoughts are a seed. Psychology will tell you, you'll become what you think about all the time. Your words are a seed. Science itself says you can sit there and curse a bush or a plant in your house and speak death to it, that, that thing will die. Because your words are a seed. I'm not going to take up an offering so you can relax, but your money is a seed. 
right? It produces. It's a seed. Jesus will even say, if you give a little, it'll come back a little. If you give a lot, it comes back a lot. Even the business world understands money as a seed. It's called investment. I can put my money in. I can get a return of 20%. Boom! Because why? Because everything we're doing on this planet is seed-oriented. Not just flowers and oranges and corn. You. What you see with your eyes is a seed. If you constantly, fellas, and maybe women now because it's, it's a pandemic of, of porn, if your eyes constantly see the lustful images of other women who've been photoshopped, it will not be long before you will not see the beauty in your own wife. Why? Because you've planted the wrong seeds. I just don't know why my life doesn't go well. Because if all you're seeding is Netflix and iTunes 24-7, what are you expecting to get? If all you speak is negative, every single day you wake up, I hate my job, my marriage is terrible, I don't know why, my back hurts, my knees hurt. Grow up, we're all that way. The older you get, you throw a hip out. It's like, dude, I threw a hip out. How? Eating Lucky Charms. Man. (laughs) Woo, I'm getting older. (laughs) You know you're older when you throw a back out eating Lucky Charms. Your life is a seed. But if you whine all the time, well, you get whiny seeds. If you're negative, negativity. If you're bitter, bitterness. Because you're a seed. And the thing about a seed, for it to work, Jesus will say this. I think it's Matthew 12, I think. Or John 12. John 12. He said that unless a seed fall in the ground and die, it cannot ever produce fruit. And what I would like to say about this thought is it's passionate to think your life is a seed, but nobody wants to tell you you got to die. Not physically, but to yourself. To selfishness. To arrogance and pride. To laziness. Gotta die. Blues and barbecue, June 5th. I'm putting it together so our band's gonna play for you. You're welcome. You can throw money later. But one of the songs I'm doing goes with this. It's a country, well, it's not country, but it's a blues tune. Everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. I think a lot of people want something out of God, but they don't want to realize they're the seed that needs to die. Here's a scripture for you. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. In other words, don't don't unplant yourself. Don't get ticked off at life. Just work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know, here's the secret, that nothing you do for the Lord is ever what? Useless. And I have found out I know my life is a seed, but because I still live in this earthly emotional body, sometimes I feel like what I do for God is useless. Because they told me to pray and I prayed, but I felt like it was useless. Nothing changed. They told me if I would just start reading my Bible, my life would get better, but it really didn't. They told me if I would tithe, I would just be blown away with how much money would come back, and I did. I started three weeks ago. I got nothing. It's useless. Tithing is useless. Bible reading is useless. Prayer is useless. Going to church is useless. I mean, I don't mind going because it does ease my guilt trip, but I feel like it's just useless. 
But the secret, the wonderful secret is your life will be strong and immovable while you're on this earth. If you grab hold of the secret that my life is a seed that needs to stay immovable and I just need to keep trusting my Father even when I think it's useless. And when my prayers aren't working, well, so I ain't going nowhere. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about you leaving the secret place. Well, you just have no idea what they did to me. Yeah, but I ain't going nowhere. So two nights ago, I was laying in bed. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning because at my age, you got to tinkle a lot. And so it wasn't because anything spiritual. I just wanted you to think, man, he's spiritual. We got up at 4.30. No, brother had to go to the bathroom, right? So it's just all night, me and the dog. Like, come on, we're going outside, you know? Don't want to wake up mama. And so... I woke up at 4.30, and then since I was awake, I thought, well, I might as well pray. So this is my prayer. God, man, I ain't got a clue what you're doing. I've prayed prayers you haven't answered. I've asked you to heal things that aren't healed. People I really prayed that you would keep alive died. I'm asking you to do things in my country, and I seem like we're going backwards. I've been asking you to do things at Believers in Douglasville, and I just wonder if you ever are. That was the earthly mark. Trying to process life. And in that moment, thank God, he's helped me grow up. The spiritual mark said this. But God, if everybody gets sick on the planet, you're still the healer. If everybody dies, you're still the life giver. And if you never answer another prayer of mine, I will always talk to you and pray. I will always ask. I will trust you, God, even if I feel like... And I'm telling you, in that moment where the earthly mark let the spiritual mark take over, I was laying in bed and I just felt strong and immovable because I suddenly realized if I'll just pray, it won't be useless. If I'll just confess, it won't be useless. If I'll just sing worship to Him, it won't be useless because there's nothing I could do in terms of my Heavenly Father that will ever produce a useless fruit. But sometimes it feels like it does. And then this scripture came to mind. Galatians 6. Don't be misled. And I have been. You can't mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. But those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature harvest decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So Mark, this is what I heard. Stop getting tired. Mark, quit getting tired. Stop pouting, Mark. You're professional. <laughs> Verse 9, I put it in pink because it reminds me to be a, he's a soothing father. I'm, I'm giving y'all secrets about me that you did not know. You just thought it was real colorful. Even Robin says, I really don't like all the color. It distracts me. I said, good, it doesn't mean because I don't take medicine for it. So. <laughs> so Mark, let not, let's not get tired of doing what's good. Why don't you talk to me? Why don't you keep praying, Mark, even when you feel like it doesn't work? Why don't you keep worshiping me even when you feel like you don't have a reason to? Why don't you keep going to church even if it's boring? And I was like, well, God, I'm the one preaching. He goes, yeah, I know. 
you go way too long. <laughs> and then he's like, why don't you put some other color up there? <laughs> but, and this is the hard part, come on somebody that's a human at just the right time. Oh my Lord, the right time is so hard when you're the earthly person. Because I, I, I want to dig it up. I want to take it up. I want to take, take matters in my own hand. I don't want to keep praying. I don't want to keep giving. I don't want to keep reading. I don't want to keep worshiping. I don't want to keep going to church. I want to pout and I want God to fix my life. Mark, don't ever give up. And then I highlighted it for you in red because at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. And this is the conclusion of today. I hope it helped you. Nothing you ever do for God is useless. Nothing. I'm going to help your religious spirit a little bit. I just don't feel like I got time to pray. I mean, I got kids all in the house. And school, work. And oh, God, ball fields and cheer and gymnastics. And then right when I get them to bed, I just passed out on the couch and so tired. So? We all do that. So while you're walking your kids to the ball field, getting a hot dog for them that tastes like it's a dead rat, but that's all they got, you just walk up and go, hey, right now we're just going to have a prayer while we're waiting in line. What are you thankful for? You see, even that little two-second thought of your father is not useless. We've taught you you got to pray an hour. You got to press in. You got to read three chapters a day. Finish the Bible in a year by God. And don't you ever give up. And God's like, I, 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 I just want you to do something. Because it's not useless. Hey, here's a thought. Every red light, rather than getting ticked off, just pray. Well, Father, I'm ticked off again. It's Mark. Another red light. If anybody's got a gift to hit them all, it's me. But instead of feeling like I want to give the middle finger and bust through the light and get a camera taken to me because Douglasville's got to take pictures of people who run the light. Why don't instead of getting ticked off, you just go, well, it's a great opportunity to do something that's not useless. Hey, God, how are you doing today? So don't get tired of sowing seeds for God. You're not going to get your money back tomorrow. You're not going to get your prayers answered tomorrow. Not everything's going to work tomorrow. But if you'll not get tired, and by all means never give up, you will reap a wonderful harvest of peace and blessing in this earthly body and stand before your father one day and look back at your earthly life and go, Dude, I'm so thankful for all the secrets I learned about you, Dad. Like, I never, oh, I, oh, man, you're so much bigger than I ever thought you were down there. But, and that's my thought for you. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, Father God, today, all of us in this room are humans. And we all kind of face this real bleak future that we'll probably, if you don't come back, we'll bury each other. They'll probably bury me. We'll bury them. We'll... And life just keeps going. Kids come along, then grandkids, then they divide all our stuff. But God, my prayer today is that when we leave here, we wouldn't be focused on dying physically. But we would be focused on dying right now to 
never being understood that our life is a seed and that nothing we do is wasteful. The communion you're about to do isn't wasteful. The giving you're about to do is not a waste. The prayer you're going to pray in just a minute, not a waste when you do it for God. So, Father, today I pray you capture our heart. I pray you do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And my prayer is that we would stay planted to believe that you are a great Father with wonderful secrets to reveal. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Would you stand up with me, if you will? Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message. 